You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is uh, somebody that I have admired for a long time, and he has become a precious friend and brother in the faith. Uh, Matt Hensley is the pastor of Mayhill Baptist Church in Mayhill, New Mexico. He also serves Lifeway Christian Resources as the managing editor uh, for Lifeway Pastors. He's the second vice president of the Baptist uh, Convention of New Mexico. And the biggest reason we have Matt here today is along with Kyle Bierman. He's the co-author of Replanting Rural Churches. God's plan and call for the middle of nowhere, and that's got to be the greatest subtitle that any book has ever had. And I know that uh, some of you guys are going to recognize Matt from a Facebook page, The Baptist Review. That crazy thing has got over 4,000 members now, and uh, maybe somebody hears the podcast and there'll be some piling on here. (laughs) But hey, look, you got to apply for membership, and we have rules so uh, Matt is the, uh, one of the administrators of that. But uh, Matt, we are delighted to have you on Preaching Source today. Welcome. It is a joy to be here. I was uh, looking forward to uh, being interviewed by Aaron, but I'm stuck with you. But I guess that will be okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's but... break week, but I came in. I came, <laughs> came in, in just, just for this. For this yes. You bet. So not nervous at all with the king of rhetoric across well, the table from me. Well, let's get down to business. Uh, <laughs> Matt, the, with the world getting smaller and smaller, uh, it seems to be a pattern for believers, even those in, in rural settings, to travel to larger churches. Uh, and and uh, rural churches we often think of as small, uh, but you guys have got a, a great vision for, uh, for growing rural churches, uh, talk with us a bit about how preaching fits into the strategy, particularly of growing a rural church. So in, in some sense, I lack the creativity whatsoever for a good slogan or vision or anything like that. And I was a student here uh, when emblazoned on the light posts and everything else was preach the word and, and reach the world. And that's why we we came here, why I came here. And uh, so we, we kind of made that our, our goal and our aim at the church is that we were going to focus on preaching, uh, teaching, encouraging, you know, the disciple-making efforts of our church and, and knowing that through that we were going to ultimately reach our community and reach our state and reach our world. And uh, so that, that became our focus. And so we are in the literal middle of nowhere, hour or so from Walmart, um, one direction, an hour and a half, another direction, uh, and those are the only two directions that you have. Uh, there is one highway on our town, and so we do have folks that drive uh, about se- 72 miles from one direction to come. Uh, we have some folks that drive about 40 miles from another. We also have some that live there and uh, maybe have younger kids, so they desire to go uh, to a mega church about an hour away, and so we, we run into that, but our our kind of calling and desire was when when that is our uh, demand from Scripture to preach the the word, uh, be ready in season, out of season. That there's going to be times where it's six inches of snow on the ground and ice, and maybe more. 
There's going to be times where I don't feel like it, that we're just going to keep loving on the folks and preaching the word. And what we've seen is there's a hunger for it, a hunger for biblical preaching. What we found at the church is people that find Mayhill Baptist Church are searching for expository preaching when they land on our page or text-driven preaching. Uh, that there is a hunger for it that I think at times it's easy to underestimate. Uh, and uh, so that has been our, our goal is just to preach and to love and to care for them, and it's grown through mm. that. Matt, uh, what are the intangibles that, that I have observed about you, and, and it, it, it really attracted me to you? Uh, you? You have this infectious optimist, love and optimism for not, not just your church, but all of those pastors who, like you, are out there preaching out in the middle of nowhere— uh, it's it's not a consolation prize to you. It's not uh, well, you know. I I I didn't have the star power to lead one of the really big, cool churches in in a college town or a big city. Th- th- this is a chosen passion and direction for you, and, and you go about it in the most cheerful fashion, uh, and and you you also engage on the larger scale with, with the whole Southern Baptist family. I mean, the, your work with Lifeway and uh, your writing, we see you at the SBC, we see you interacting with guys in social media. Uh, I, I've just been amazed by this infectious love and enthusiasm that, that you have for the rural church. I, wh- where does that come from? I was raised right up the road from okay. here in Grand Prairie. Okay. And uh, my first... Uh, church really as a full-time minister was uh, in Blue Ridge, Texas, Uh, and uh, that was right after my first part-time church that was in Josephine, Texas. I I moved about 30 minutes away uh, and just jumped over uh, Dr. Bart Barber and uh, Farmersville, and that was my dad's hometown. And uh, so my mom raised from McCrory, Arkansas. My dad from Farmersville at the time was a very small town and um, always had a desire to kind of go back and see where their roots were and be a part of that and, and see the old country church there, sometimes faded paint, sometimes whatever, but knowing that every Sunday, whether there was five people there or 50 people maybe in their heyday, there was faithful preaching of the word, and there was just something about knowing that behind that pulpit was a guy, whether he was 90 years old whether he was my age, going to launch into a different career, or not a different career, but a uh, bigger church or whatever, that they just loved him and they wanted to hear faithful preaching. And so for, for me, I realized that we've got a, uh, a common enemy and, and the devil, uh, so why can't we work together on everything else and encourage one another? And uh, we've got members in our church that will sometimes be used by that common enemy, uh, so why can't we encourage one another? We've got uh, wives and children and, and stresses that come with that. Let's encourage one another because we're in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of times you feel like you're by yourself. And so social media has made that very easy to just send a direct message or a text message or call and say, you know, hey, how are things are going? And, and actually listen and be ready to encourage because more often than not, things aren't going very well, and, you know, the budget is down or somebody is hurting. 
Uh, and so it's it's a joy to encourage them and, and be on that same team together. Wow. Uh, you know, in, in every church, uh, when, when a new pastor comes in, one of the things that uh, he often has to struggle with is that the people who are there in the congregation have become accustomed to another pastor's style, to his leadership and all. Uh, and sometimes that, that uh, for whatever reason, that tends to be accentuated, sometimes in rural churches, maybe because life is slower and, and, and change is, is longer in coming. Uh, but how, how, do you, how do you overcome that obstacle when, when you come into a place and, and you're, you're different from the last pastor? Well, you grow a long beard. Um, that has fixed everything. No, uh, for which you for, have <laughs> for 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 us, we we did have uh, a a faithful faithful preacher of the word uh, that was a um, maybe untrained, unpolished. You know, didn't have maybe the training that uh, I have been uh, afforded to with Southwestern and, and Dallas Baptist. Uh, but uh, for, for me coming in, one of the biggest questions people have, well, what are, how are we going to cover topics? You know, if you preach, you know, verse by verse or text, how are we going to cover topics? I said, well, if you preach verse by verse through, through the Bible, there's going to be topics we cover that I don't even want to cover. Uh, we're going to cover everything. That's and a so great answer. And so let's just take our, our time and walk through it. Uh, on, on the flip side of that, one of the things that I do as, as a preacher when I'm introducing a new uh, book is I often spend a week or two with those first couple of uh, verses and kind of set the stage, you know, particularly with one of the uh, uh, epistles. And I had a guy pull me aside after the service said, you talked about being a verse-by-verse verse preacher. Do you really mean we're going to go one verse by verse by verse through this entire book? And I said, no, 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 I'm just introducing. He said, okay, good. Can I, then I like that. And so, you know, for us, it was just coming in, and we've, we're fortunate to have the former pastor in the church. I bring him back anytime that I am unable to preach, and he preaches, celebrate him from the pulpit as often as I can, uh, celebrate the legacy that they've had in that church for over 110 years, uh, that you've had faithful preaching here for, for years. There's a reason this church is still here, uh, and uh, now this is the direction we're going to go, and uh, just living it out and just preaching faithfully each week. Mm. Matt, uh, every preacher faces this. Every seven days, you've got to roll out another winsome, life-changing message from the Word of God, and it doesn't matter who dies that week, and it doesn't matter if the boiler blows up, or it doesn't matter how many committee meetings go off the rail, but every seven days, you you got to come up with another sermon how how do you beat that grind or that sometimes that that incredible pressure cooker of, of having to come up with a, a new message each week preachingsource.com oh i love it no uh <laughs> you know for for us it, it my way to overcome that is not recommended for others i get up very early uh, be, we've got four young girls in the home and uh, for me to still be able to love on them, shepherd them, care for them. Uh, it requires me to get up a little earlier. And uh, so I get up, dive into the study as quick as I can, as quick as I got some caffeine in me. 
And, uh, and then that allows me or affords me more time in the afternoon for those interruptions or for the opportunities uh, to, to get out and visit folks and all of that. Uh, but I think in, in may, maybe even in our book, we talk about you've got the equivalent of a term paper due mm-hmm. every week. Wow. Uh, you know, I had That's to write, a good analogy. I, I had to write mm-hmm. for Dr. Dr. Allen before this uh, preaching uh, seminar we're in. Uh, a 20-page paper on uh, a book review, integrated book review. And it was one of the hardest things I have ever done and just kept working and working and trying. And I was writing only about twice as many words as I normally would for a sermon. Uh, But there's something uh, enjoyable and special about coming and opening up the Word of God that you're reminding yourself that this is inerrant, it's infallible, uh, and more than all of that, it's inspired. And you're reading something from God uh, that you have the joy to unpack for your people and uh, and just put it in a way they can understand it and apply it to their lives. And that just gets me out of bed at night on uh, Monday morning and, uh, and to come back to the study. Years ago, it used to be that, that a few major preachers who could afford the, uh, the big bucks of a television ministry or radio ministry could be heard by lots of people. Uh, these days, anybody can be heard. So there, there's this plethora of preaching, good preaching and bad preaching, that, that's out there. How, how does the ready availability of, of so many other sermons, how, how do you think that, does that have an, uh, an influence on what we do as preachers? And uh, if so, how, how does that work? What? I, I think there's always the temptations when you are listening to other uh, pastors, other preachers to, to, to maybe take on their voice or some of their mannerisms and, and so forth. But at the flip side of that, it's also allowing you to see how they're connecting with their their folks and in their context. And one of the last things I do in sermon prep is I just bring up YouTube and I type in whatever my sermon text is for that Sunday, you know, when I'm done with all of my work and I just play it and it's in the background and I'm kind of, maybe I'm watching, maybe I'm listening, but I can hear how they're connecting their text to their people. And uh, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's absolutely awful. Uh, And uh, sometimes there's things that I bring into our pulpit. There was one uh, African American uh, pastor that uh, just dove in, and the first thing he said uh, once they turned to their text was, "If you've got it, say I got it." And everybody in that crowd said, "I, oh, got I like it. that." And and he said, "If you're able, let's stand." And so I'd always had people stand when we read the word, but I started saying, "If you found it, say I got it." And then suddenly our church, which was very reserved, and I'm like, "Amen," and maybe get one or two from somebody. Suddenly it like turned a switch, and then they were very more in tune with what we were saying and, and what, what the Word was speaking. And, uh, and so learning from, I don't even know who that guy is, and I could probably not find his sermon again, but that one little thing was able to bring into a sermon and, and helped our church. So I think it helps, uh, and, uh, and I enjoy kind of going through and listening to what the true uh, expositors of the Word or um, different styles of preacher uh, preachers that are out there and hear how they handle different texts or genres is uh, is fun for the student of preaching, I think. Hmm. Matt, you, your description of your congregation makes me want to come preach there. And, uh, I, I, I love that. I love that. Okay, um, we, 
we read books, we go to conferences, we uh, we often go to school on on well-known, high-profile leaders. And, you know, I'd, I could start naming a list, but it'd include a lot of friends of mine, and, and I'd leave somebody out, so I won't. But, yeah, I mean, you, you know the type, the, the, the guys that just seem to have a, a, an unlimited amount of energy, a high capacity for uh, leadership, vision, great communicators. And, but, but sometimes for the average pastor, that, that picture of what a great leader is like, sometimes it can be helpful, sometimes it can be intimidating. Well, what do you do if your own gifting and personality doesn't quite fit that template of the high-impact leader? What do, you, what do you do? I think you err on the side of loving your folks. That at the end of the day, maybe you're not going to have the the big, you know, Bellevue Baptist pulpit uh, or or the big prominent church, uh, but you you cannot go wrong by loving your people and and just opening up that Word of God and and just explaining it to your folks in a way they can understand it and uh, all the other, you know, entrapments of being a high capacity leader or a great communicator, all of that might. It brings another set of things you have to manage. Uh, so just love the church that you have. Uh, love the people. Uh, they care about you. They want to uh, be loved by you. And, uh, and so for me, I, I, you, you, I, I don't remember how you worded uh, my description early on, but uh, my um, encouragement or zeal or something like that, all of that is out of my comfort zone. You know, my, my default is in a room somewhere by myself studying the text and, and be left alone. That's my default. And so everything for, for me is remembering that if I'm going to take 1 Timothy chapter 4 and apply it to my, my folks' life, I've got to know them. And I've got to be out with them. And so it doesn't matter if I'm the greatest communicator in the world or if I... You know, when I said manger last uh, Christmas, I said stanger uh, because I mixed the stable in the manger. Like if I trip up my words or, or whatever, there's going to be a lot of grace given when they know me and they love me and I love them and I'm spending time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, uh, most rural churches are, are not dealing with large numbers and, and so uh, and, and often growth comes slowly. What uh, what are some effective measures that the rural pastor can can use to to gauge the effectiveness of his ministry? I, I would say for for me is how how many are going to be engaged in Sunday school or Bible study, whatever they're called, life groups, and in, in, in a let's be honest, in a rural church is probably going to be called Sunday school still, Sunday school engaged in evangelism. Like kind of what's the percentage of, of your church that is doing those things, and are we increasing those? Uh, for, for our church, there hadn't been baptisms in a while. Um, numerically, it was going to be very easy to gauge some growth there, uh, and we did. But for, for me, even now where we're at, having reached what you might call kind of the cap for our area, just because of how many people live there and how many people are coming to the church, we're looking for those areas. Of, it's great to have 160 here on, on Sunday in our little town of 70 or, or whatever. 
but how many of them are sharing their faith? How many of them are in one-on-one discipleship? And so adding some of those to, to not overanalyze, but just see are we moving forward and, and upward in those areas has been helpful for me. All right, Matt, one final question. If, is there a, a most helpful lesson that you have discovered to help the pastor who's leading a rural church be, be effective, be successful? Go and feed cows. Go and feed cows. Um, and, and with that more, what, what are some of your people doing? And go out and be there with them as they're doing it. We, you know, one, one guy's out shed hunting. That's where they're looking for antlers that have dropped off the elk and so forth. Real lucrative uh, career up in, in May Hill and the surrounding area. So go in with them because you're going to be out there for four or five hours with them walking through life. You know, it's either going to be awkward silence for four and a half hours, just staring at one another in the ground, or you're going to talk about marriage and life and what you're learning and how you're growing. Uh, and so that has been probably the most helpful lesson is find ways to get out of your office, because in the case of at least Mayhill, nobody's just going to happen upon uh, Mayhill Baptist Church to stop by unless they're choosing to come up there. You, nobody just passes by it. So with, with that, I look for opportunities to be out with somebody and, you know, to, to use the cliche, doing life with them, whatever they enjoy, because I'm learning at times some valuable illustrations for the sermon too uh and then in one sense just that as an aside is i went out and fed cows on friday and ended up being invited to preach at a cowboy uh, camp the uh, following week so it could even give you some preaching opportunities now as an expert cowboy uh and i could earn wearing my cowboy boots but uh but no being, being out with them and looking for opportunities to find what they love um, because they, they then want to know what you love and, uh, you know, getting to experience that. So that's the greatest lesson. Who taught it? I don't know if it was Kiker, you, Dr. Allen, who, whoever it might have been, but just being out with them, doing their life, doing their thing, being with their family. Uh, you can find some good little illustrations along the way too and uh, enjoy what makes them tick. Well, it's good, to, it's good to meet a man that the saying, all hat and no cattle does not <laughs> apply to. Uh, there, Matt. Just just one final, uh, really, just a shameless plug for our degree programs here in the School of Preaching. I mean, you are an educated man. Uh, you uh, had a Master of Divinity degree from Southwestern Seminary, and yet this week you were back here uh, uh, doing classes as part of your uh, Doctor of Ministry program. What say just a, a word about what the advanced degree study has meant to you and in, in your ministry? I, I think there is always room to improve. I know you're a cyclist. There's always a, a time maybe you're wanting to get past or a distance you want to get past as a runner. I'm looking for those distance that I can get past. And so so for me to, to learn under the true practitioners of text-driven preaching is going to continue to hone my skills as a preacher, not to go to the next church or, or whatever it may be, but to be the best communicator of God's word that I can be at Mayhill Baptist Church. And, and so for me, whether that's evangelism, and, and you, you can't find anybody more infectious about evangelism than Dr. Uh, Queen, uh, text-driven preaching, you know, with Dr. Allen, 
Uh, those have been my two classes so far that, I mean, we're only halfway through one of them, and I'm already feeling like I wish it was Sunday so I can take some of these things that I'm learning back into the pulpit. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Matt Hensley. He's the pastor of Mayhill Baptist Church in Mayhill, New Mexico, and the co-author of Replanting Rural Churches, God's Plan and Call for the Middle of Nowhere. Matt, thank you so much for being with us on Preaching Source. Thank you.